Amen. Well, tonight, Jim's guys did all right. Now, that we're saying West Virginia. We don't say y'all. We say Yin's guys. The Yin's guys did good tonight, all right? But I do love the South. I love the South. I've been there since 1961. I love hog jowls, collards, black-eyed peas, fried okra, and sweet tea. Food that will be in heaven one of these days. Well, I want to say, first of all, some man paid me for a set of memorization programs before I had supper tonight. Uh, did, did you pick up the set? Or did you pick? Oh, good. Thank you so much, because I have two sets left. Now, when these two sets are gone, I don't know what to do. If you want to get a set, uh, we'll have to either work out something. We'll work it out tomorrow, okay? <laughs> we'll do something. But um, I want to... I want to express my appreciation for my son with this little video tonight. Uh, my family, look at me, my family is more important than my ministry. I would not be in evangelism if I did not have my family with me. Many years ago, I told Pastor uh, Mike about this. I had a revival meeting. I, I had a man who called me about, he wanted me for a revival meeting. He said, Brother Jerry, I'd love to have you for a revival. I said, well, I'd love to come and be with you. He said, I want you Thanksgiving week. And I said to him, I cannot come Thanksgiving week. And I could see his, he, was, he kind of uh, was upset with me because his, his, uh, his speech kind of changed kind of roughly. He said, why can't you? And I said, do you want my boys to kill me? He said, what you mean by that? I said, listen, brother, we've gone deer hunting every year since they've been 14 years of age. We always have set aside Thanksgiving week to go hunting here in South Carolina. I can come any other week except that week. You know what? He's never had me. But that's okay. Because my family is more important than my ministry. Because if I don't have a family, I don't have a ministry. And I thank God for my boys, my daughter. I thank God for the, the kindness of them. And we're very close as a family, very close. And we thank God for that. And I want to encourage you men, I, I pray what you've heard uh, through the preaching of the Word of God this week, that it will really be a, a help to your life. You know, I, I, told, I tell people this all across the country. Whenever I go to, a, a, to speak, wherever I go to, I never go to speak to see what I can get out of people. I always go to see what I can give of myself to God's people. You know why? That ought to be the heart of a minister, a man of God who's serving him. We want to we give ourselves to you men, and we thank God for this great honor. Well, the verse, John 3.30, which I taught you all, uh, that was a good meal tonight, I'll tell you what. <laughs> Wasn't it great? Amen. I wish I could have eaten more tonight. I love steak, and that was everything was great. Thank you so much for it. Uh, and banana splits, oh my, 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 that is my favorite. But I cannot eat that before I preach. You know why? No milk products ever before I speak. But son, it looked awful good. As we say in the South, it looked awful good. Well, let's go on now, and let's quote our, our theme verse of John 3 and verse 30, good and loud, okay? Here we go. 
John 3, verse 30. He must increase, but I must decrease. You know, sometimes we walk around thinking that we are a big cheese. You know, like we're someone important, you know. Well, if you think that you are a big cheese, God may have to flatten you out into a cheese spread, buddy. <laughs> and God can do that very quickly, can he? No, no, we don't go around trying to exalt ourselves, being someone special. No, we always want to exalt him. Amen. We always want to have him to increase in our lives. And I pray that'll be the, the heartbeat of your life as an individual. Now take your Bible and go to Hebrews chapter 11, if you will, please. We're going to give an invitation tonight at the close of the service. And, um, but I'm not very upfront with people whenever I preach the Word of God. When I preach the Word of God, I want the Holy Spirit to do the work. I want the Holy Spirit to do something very, very special uh, within our lives. And I pray tonight that what I bring to you will be used of the Lord to do uh, a really a great work in all of our hearts. So uh, Hebrews chapter 11, and um, would you look at verse 6 please with me. But without faith it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Our dear Father, I need your divine help. I realize how weak and frail I am. And Lord, I can't do this work of my energy or my enthusiasm or even my sincerity. I've got to have your Holy Spirit, the blessed Spirit of God to lead me. I pray, Lord, you would do something very unusual in our midst tonight, that the power of thy word may we exalt you, Lord Jesus. We love you. Heavenly Father, you're so kind. Help us to always have a heart full of gratitude for your goodness upon us. I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. You know, throughout the Word of God, the Bible has a great emphasis on this area of faith. Mark 11.22 says, have faith in God. Ephesians 6.16, above all, taking the shell of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. 1 John 5, 4, For whatsoever is born of God, ever cometh the world. And this is the victory that ever cometh the world, even our faith. Amen. The Bible defines faith by saying Hebrews 11, verse 1, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. In that passage, the Bible tells you faith has two things. Faith has hope, that means assurance. And faith as evidence, that means strong conviction. And throughout the Bible, we find great men of God who had that kind of faith. The Bible speaks of the faith of Abraham. Romans 4.20, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. Also, the word of God speaks of the faith of Moses. The Bible speaks of the faith of these men of God. You know, and then it climaxes this whole chapter by saying in Hebrews 11, 32 through 34, and what shall I more say? 
For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon, and of Barak, and of Samson, and of Jephthah, of David also, and Samuel, and other prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, thought the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed violent and fight, turned to flight the armies of the Adians. And here we find their lives were dominated in the area of faith. And that's why this message is so crucial, men. Romans 14, 23 says, For whatsoever is not of faith is sin. And I want to show you from this one passage some profound truths I pray will be a help to your life. First of all, I want you to observe that God wants us to go by faith as an individual. Our text begins, But without faith it's impossible to please Him. Which means every aspect of our lives must be dominated by the area of faith. Hebrews eleven six says, And he went out not and whither he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise in a strange country. You know what? He stepped out by faith to serve God. And as he stepped out by faith to serve God, you know what? That's what we've got to do, men. We've got to step out by faith and serve God. I'll never forget when I was a senior in high school. And I heard a man of God preach the word of God, a man named Dr. Gene Greganus, a missionary from West Pakistan. And when that man of God spoke, here I am, a young man, 17 years of age. God somehow spoke to my heart. I came down the aisle by faith. I came down the aisle, stood there. And I said, God, and I'm weeping. My heart just broke, and I'm standing there in front of this whole congregation. As a young man, I never wept publicly, but I stood there weeping. And I looked in the air and I said, God, I have no idea how you could use me, but God, here's my life. You can have my life. I didn't go down the aisle to go into ministry. I didn't go down the aisle to go to college. I just went down the aisle and gave God my life by faith. And you know what? The next year I stepped out by faith to go to college. And by faith, God got me through four years of college. When I was a senior, I stepped up by faith to start an independent Baptist church in Anderson, South Carolina with no congregation, no financial support, and no building. Stepped out by faith, and a banker heard of it, complete stranger to me, and let me have a building without charge. And for 10 weeks, I preached to my wife, Sharon, just to Sharon, she never raised her hand once in the invitation. <laughs> she never came down the aisle. And for 10 weeks, Sharon and I would go soul winning every Saturday and Sunday. And I was not used to southern ways. I was used to northern ways. I'm, from, I'm only 60 miles from Pittsburgh. Man, I did not know you're the southern ways at that time. In West Virginia, you invite a man to church where I'm from. He'll look around the eyes and cuss you out and say, no, I won't go to your church. Or else he'll say, I'll be there, and he will be there. I was not what I call the southern ethical kindness. <laughs> We'd go out, my wife and I wouldn't, and they, we would invite them to church and deal with them, and they'd say, where y'all located? We said, on the West Earl Street, you saw the West Earl Pool Room. They said, what time's your service start? We said, 10 o'clock. 
They said, we'll be there, bunch of liars. <laughs> no one came out. And for 10 weeks, I just preached to Sharon. And on the 10th week, I brought a young man, his wife, down with me, Benny and Laura Moran. And Benny was going to teach Sunday school at 10 o'clock, and I was going to preach at 11. You know what that morning? Uh, no one showed up. And I got so discouraged. Took my coat off. I said, I guess God doesn't want me to start a church here in Anderson. And I'm walking out the door, one foot in the church and one foot out the door, when walked over two ladies that my wife and I visited the day before. And I said, come on in, ladies. We are ready to start our service. <laughs> and that's how the Fellowship Baptist Church, that's still going strong in South Carolina. I stepped by, by, by faith. And then in 1970, my wife and I stepped up by faith to go to evangelism. We had two dollars and 95 cents in our checking account. Out of our bills paid up the date. Only had six meetings. And my wife and I made a covenant with the Lord. We'd give the first entire love offering back to the Lord. My very first meeting was in McConnellsburg, Pennsylvania. And in my very first revival meeting, we had two bankers saved. Needless to say, we got the biggest love offering of the entire first year in that first revival meeting. I believe God was testing the sincerity of our hearts. But my wife and I gave the whole offering back to him as a gift of gratitude of God calling us. And guess what God began to do? He began to flood us with meetings. It got so bad. I was preaching 16 weeks in a row. And here's how my meetings were organized then. Sunday morning through Sunday morning, drive Sunday afternoon, start Sunday night through Sunday morning. I did that 16 weeks in a row every night. Sharon sang every night 16 weeks in a row. Ironically, one night we both had a dream. I had a dream. I was preaching so much, I just fell over in the pulpit from exhaustion. The same night, Sharon had a dream. She's walking on the platform to sing a solo, wearing a house coat with only one shoe on. <laughs> I said, Sharon, I didn't mind the house coat, but I'm embarrassed about just coming with one shoe on. You know, all these years, God's been so good to me. You know why? Because God honors faith, Amen. and faith will always honor God. And you have a decision to make. You can go by faith, or you can go by doubts. Someone wrote, doubt sees the obstacles. Faith sees the way. Doubt sees the darkest night. Faith sees the day. Doubt dreads to take a step. Faith soars on high. Doubt questions who believes. Faith answers I. You know, if there's ever a cry, men, that should come from your heart as an individual, the cry of your heart ought to be Luke 17, 5. Lord, increase our faith. You know what? This teaching of the Bible, without faith, it's impossible to please him. We must step out by faith as an individual. But second of all, 
We need to realize the significance of the teaching that goes on the say without faith. It's impossible. Please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. Now look, we know that God is omnipotent. He's all-powerful. He's omniscient. He's all-knowledge. He's omnipresent. He's an all-seeing God. And since he is all of that, he is able to do the unusual. You know, in the Old Testament, there's a man of God named Joshua. And God commanded Joshua to go and defeat a great city called Jericho. And so Joshua was to go around Jericho once every day for six days because God said so. On the seventh day, they were supposed to march around seven times because God said so. I would say that's a very strange war plan, wouldn't you? But never question what God commands. And they marched around the city once every day for six days. The seventh day, they marched around seven times, gave a great shout, and the walls fell down flat. Question. What made the wall fall down? The shout? No. Hebrews 11, 30, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. You see, faith honors God. God always will honor faith. And gentlemen, I'm telling you, if you ever see God do the unusual, you're going to have to realize that he is able to the un do the unusual in your life. But in the third of all, we must go by faith to anticipate visible results. Our text goes on to say, well, that faith is impossible, please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Now, a man of God defined faith as follows. Faith is to believe what we do not see. And the reward of the faith is to see what we believe. In other words, faith always anticipates visible results. Minutes ago, uh, we thought my wife had cancer. Thank God it came back nil. We thank God for that. Amen. However, it meant we had to go off the road for one whole year. And so what I would do, I'd be gone for two weeks, I'd, be, I'd come home for a week. I'd be gone for two weeks, I'd be back for a week. And that was going on and on for a whole year until my wife recovered from that. And then it got to the point where we could go back. I came home one time. My three little boys, they said, Daddy, we've got to have a talk with you in the bedroom. And so I'll go in the bedroom, my boy's bedroom. And they said, sit down on the floor, Daddy. And my little boys, like little Indians, had legs crossed like this. They went to the floor, and I, I went down with them too and sit down. And they all looked at me and said, Daddy, we want to be with you in evangelism again. I said, you guys are just saying that. There's no, no, Daddy, no, Daddy. We want to travel with you in evangelism. I said, well, what about your little friends? You won't have your little friends anymore. All three boys' eyes were full of tears. Their lips were trembling. They said, Daddy, we would rather be with you than have all of our friends. 
You talk about wringing the tears of a man's heart. I tell you, it ignited me. It ignited me. I said, okay, boys, we'll get back on the road. We will get back on the road. So I called a good friend of mine named Dennis Mackney in Marshalltown, Iowa. I said, hey, Dennis, this is Jerry Savinsky. He said, yes, Jerry, how can I help you? I said, Dennis, I need a new truck. He said, Jerry, there is absolutely no way I can get you a new truck. I said, Dennis, that's beside the point. God's going to use you, and in two weeks, you will have a truck for me. (laughs) And then I hung up on him. (laughs) Then I called up Tom Rafer in Richmond, Indiana. I said, Tom, this is Jerry Savinsky. He said, hey, Jerry, how can I help you? I said, Tom, I need a new trader in two weeks. He said, Jerry, that is impossible. I said, what do you mean by that, Tom? He said, uh, the factory has gone on a vacation break for two weeks. There is no way I could have your trader in two weeks. I said, Tom, that's beside the point. You will have me a trader in two weeks. I got through with him and hang up, and I called a young girl that was highly recommended to me in Greenville, South Carolina, named Joy Sigurds. We never met. And I called her up. I said, Joy, this is Jerry Savinsky. You don't know me, but my wife and I have three sons and a daughter and a cat. And I said, uh, we travel nationwide, and, and we need a teacher. You've been highly recommended. I said, would, we'd like to know, would you prefer to consider traveling with us and teaching our children? She said, well, I don't know. I've never met you people. I said, I know that, Joy. We've never met you. I said, would you at least pray about it, and in two weeks we can meet you in Greenville and see how God led? She said, I will, will, I'd be willing to do that. And so, for two weeks, she prayed about it. Two weeks goes by. I First of all, I called up Dennis Batney. Two weeks later, I called I said, hey, Dennis, this is Jerry Savinsky. And he said, Jerry Savinsky, you will never believe what happened. I said, what happened, Dennis? He said, some man ordered a brand new truck, and one thing was missing on the truck, and he's rejected that truck. Jerry, it's yours if you want it. I said, Dennis, what color is the truck? He said, a two-tone gray. Look at me, the very color I was praying for. And God gave the truck. Then I called up Tom Raper. I said, Tom, this is Jerry Savinsky. He burst out laughing. I said, Tom, why are you laughing so hard? He said, Jerry, I could not believe the timing of your phone call. I said, what do you mean by that? He said, when the factory went back to work, all of the orders got messed up. Somehow, yours happened to be the first one they assembled. And the reason I'm laughing so hard, when you mentioned your name, I looked out my office window, and they just pulled your trader by my office. Jerry, it's here! <laughs> Sharon and I drove to Greenville, South Carolina. We met Joy Sugar, had a lovely meal together, had to close the mill. She said these exact words. I had no intention of traveling with you people. But after meeting your family, I know I must travel and teach the children. And five years, Joy Sugar traveled 
and taught our children. You see, men, look at me. Faith is not the blind outreach of groping hand that seeks for some solid thing amid the sinking sand. But faith is certain trust in one well known whom the Savior's cross his love has shown. It will not fuss or fret when things go wrong, but in the valley dark sing a song. I'm telling you what, men, I'm telling you on the authority of God's word tonight. But without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. In this room, there's great potential. But that potential is dormant. Can never explode in being what God wants him to be. Until you, by faith, step out. I don't know who I'm speaking to tonight. There could be some young man here that God's calling you and you're scared to death as I was scared to death. And I took that step by faith to come down the aisle. I had no idea what God would take with this life of mine. I had no, had no idea. You have no idea what God can do with you. But you've never given God the reins over to him. How can he? You see, faith will never stand still. You've got to make a decision. I, I don't know what you're, you're battling with, what you, got, what you have going on, what you want God to do with your life. I'm not a con artist. I never try to create an atmosphere for God to work. I believe the clear preaching of God's Word by the Holy Spirit is what cuts it. Amen. And gentlemen, I'm telling you right now in the night, in a moment we're going to give invitation. We're going to stand their heads behind our eyes closed and, uh, and uh, have the pianist play a song. And uh, whatever she wants to play, and won't have no singing, no music. Um, she, she'll play the, the piano. But if you want to come near around this altar and these steps and voice to God, something in your life, in the area of faith, and then keep your hands off and watch God work. And He will do it. He will do it, gentlemen. Our dear Father. You have to take the word of God. You've got the deal in lines. I pray you would do that, Father. I'd ask, Lord, that tonight we give this invitation. That there be no hesitation on the part of those who want to respond to you. And then God take the life and use in a glorious way till you return. We ask in Christ's name. Amen.